Hey there, bookworms. Thank you for tuning in today to the Bookie Corner. I'm Carolina, and today I want to talk about Nine Perfect Strangers by Leanne Moriarty. Leanne Moriarty is an Australian author, and she has written six internationally best-selling novels, including Three Wishes, The Last Anniversary, What Alice Forgot, The Hypnotist's Love Story, and the number one New York Times bestsellers, The Husband's Secret and Big Little Lies. Her breakout novel, The Husband's Secret, sold over 3 million copies worldwide, and Big Little Lies was even made into a TV show for HBO. Writing as L.M. Moriarty, Leanne has also written a children's book series, The Petrifying Problem with Princess Petronilla, The Shocking Trouble on the Planet of Shabal, and The Wicked Star on the Planet Whimsy. She lives in Sydney with her husband, son, and daughter. As it is customary here in the bookie corner, I want to read you the synopsis of this book, and it says, Nine people gather at a remote health resort. Some are here to lose weight. Some are here to get a reboot on life. Some are here for reasons they can't even admit to themselves. Amidst all of the luxury and pampering, the mindfulness and meditation, they know these 10 days might involve some real work. But none of them could imagine just how challenging the next 10 days are going to be. Frances Welty, the formerly best-selling romantic novelist, arrives at Tranquillum House nursing a bad back, a broken heart, and an exquisitely painful paper cut. She's immediately intrigued by her fellow guests. Most of them don't look to be in need of a health resort at all. But the person that intrigues her most is a strange and charismatic owner slash director of Tranquillum House. Could this person really have the answers Frances didn't even know she was seeking? Should Frances put aside her doubts and immerse herself in everything Tranquillum House has to offer, or should she run while she still can? It's not long before every guest at Tranquillum House is asking exactly the same question. Combining all of the hallmarks that have made her writing a go-to for everyone looking for wickedly smart page-turning fiction that will make you laugh and gasp, Leanne Moriarty's Nine Perfect Strangers once again shows why she is the master of her craft. I liked this book, but I have kind of mixed feelings about it. I read Big Little Lies before I read this one, and I really liked Big Little Lies because it captured my attention right away. The reason why I like this book is because her writing style is so good. I really like the way that she weaves the story and gives you little tidbits of every character without giving away everything about the story so it kind of keeps you engaged and her character development is really good i really enjoy a book that has great character development over one that has a perfect plot usually that's what drives me to read a story relationships between people and learning to care about the characters with this one she does a wonderful job as well the only issue is that this book was a bit slower for me. I liked Big Little Lies a lot more than I liked this one. It kind of had a little bit less tension, even though there was a lot going on with each of these individual characters. I liked most of the characters in this story, and I want to go through each one of them to kind of tell you what I felt about them as I was reading. So the first person that we read about is Frances. And she is the one that's in the synopsis, but they're, like the book says, there are nine strangers in that go into Tranquillum House and they're going to be going through this journey together. Frances's voice was really distinct and it was different and I really liked that. I really loved reading about a writer who gets hung up on a nasty review 
and spirals from there. She starts to think about all of the things that are going wrong in her life. There is a lot of complexity to her character because it isn't just the fact that she feels like her writing career is over. It is about much more. It is about her losing her best friend and coming to terms with it, even about her editor retiring and how it was affecting her, as well as thinking about her previous ex-husbands and how things had ended with them and her role in those marriages and her body image. I mean, she is absolutely obsessed with losing her youth and with becoming old. And she feels like everything is over just because she's becoming a little bit older. And she also talks a lot about feeling secure in her own skin and feeling really good about the way that she looks. But at the same time, she is constantly obsessing over her body. Another central character is Masha. So Masha also has a pretty distinct voice. She is kind of an unlikable character from the start. She does things solely to gain glory for herself, not because she really wants to help others. She wants to come across as altruistic, but she really isn't because she even plans how she's going to say things when she becomes famous. For example, there's a scene where she talks about when she changes people's lives, how when she gets interviewed, she is going to say things a certain way so that she comes across as really generous and humble because people like a humble woman. But at the same time, she really believes to her core that she is doing something good, that it is about the other people, not about her, even though she's constantly judging the other characters for looking a certain way or for saying things a certain way or for feeling a certain way. She plans everything to make sure she always looks good in every situation she encounters herself in. Her character arc was the one that I was a little bit let down by. The reason she acts the way she does is because she has gone through terrible trauma. But it was so far toward the end of the book that we find exactly what happened that I found it really hard connecting to her and to her character and her trauma and the awful things that happened to her to make her who she was. So to me, doing all of those things just didn't really do anything to make the character seem a little bit more sympathetic. Even at the very end, when her ex-husband reveals that they had a second son and she refused to be a mother to him, it kind of left me in a state of shock and not necessarily in, a, in the good kind of shock because I did not expect for there to be a second son and that was like, oh, okay. But there was really nothing to suggest that there was a second son. I feel like I missed out on getting a little bit of foreshadowing about that part of Masha's life. So I was a little bit let down by her story arc. It was really cool though that once Masha was out of jail, after what she did to the people at Tranquillum House, she actually went on to become infamous for what she did and trying to do the same kinds of things to change other people's lives, quote unquote. So there are also Heather, Napoleon, and Zoe. They are a family and I really, really love them. Their characters had gone through a terrible ordeal by the death of Zach, Zoe's twin brother, by suicide. They are stuck in different stages of their grief, so guilt, anger, and denial. I feel like their character arcs are the most notable because there is definitely a change between the beginning of the story and the end. They learn to heal, um, and Napoleon learns to stand up for himself and allows himself to show his anger and emotions towards Heather because... He's always the passive kind and he always thinks that this is the right way to be. 
he ends up going to a psychiatrist and learns to deal with his grief and everybody in the family kind of deals with their grief and Heather and Napoleon's marriage fixes itself in the end whereas in the beginning it was falling apart because of the death of their son. I really like that their marriage fixed itself in the end and Zoe was able to deal with her grief over losing her brother and over feeling guilty about the fact that she had been mad at him at the time when he passed away. There is also Lars. He is a single man who is a lawyer. He was really funny as a character, but I also felt like I didn't know anything about him. There was a little bit of his backstory, but he felt a little bit two-dimensional for me as a character. I felt like I never got to know him. I didn't know his character arc. One of the main things with Lars was that he had a partner who really wanted to have a child and he didn't want to have kids. So Lars himself didn't want to have kids. And in the end, he just tells his partner that they can probably think about having a kid. And I didn't feel like that was enough of a climax for his character arc for me to feel like I knew him at all. There was also Carmel. We didn't get a whole lot of chapters with Carmel. Uh, maybe like four as far as I can remember, but I, I also didn't feel very connected to her. The only thing that I felt like was really human about her was the fact that she was very skinny, but she still felt like she could lose more weight. And she was one of those characters that was just stuck on her body image because her husband had left her for a younger woman and she all of a sudden felt like she had no value. So she obsessed over her body to be able to feel good about herself. That was kind of relatable in a way, but I feel like we just didn't get enough of Carmel to be able to understand her and to be able to connect to her at a deeper level. There was also Tony, who was really cute. I really liked him, and I wish there were there was more of him in the story. We don't get a lot of chapters in his point of view, but we do get a little bit of the relationship that he developed with Francis. Francis meets him on her way to Tranquillum House, and she immediately thinks he's a serial killer. She is kind of neurotic that way. And she thinks he's a serial killer. She refers to him that way the entire time because she had a negative experience the first time that she met him. And she kind of continues to think of him in that negative light, even though later she finds out that he's really sweet and very nice. And I wish there was a little bit more of his point of view in the story. Then there are Jessica and Ben. They are a couple. And uh, Jessica becomes obsessed with her physical image, the way that she looks. So Ben and Jessica win the lottery and they start seeing their lives spiral out of control. Ben doesn't like the money because he feels like he loses everything. He loses relationships with family because now he has money and people feel entitled to his money. And if he doesn't give it to them, they stop talking to him. And, and Jessica is obsessed with social media. She is obsessed with the lives of people that live their lives in front of the camera. She works really hard to become the kind of person that she sees online. So she starts getting a lot of surgeries and starts changing the way her face looks and changes the way that she speaks and is constantly sitting on her phone, which really aggravates Ben. She doesn't understand why he feels the way that he does because they have money so it should have solved all of their problems or so she thinks in the end they don't end up together which I actually am pretty glad that they didn't 
Jessica was really vapid, but the main thing was that I felt like I connected to Ben a lot more than I connected to Jessica as characters because Ben actually had a bit of a backstory, but we never really hear Jessica's. We never really know what's going on. We only hear her obsession with her body image and with the way that she looks and the way that people perceive her, but we don't get a backstory with her at all. We don't know anything about her other than that present that she is in in the story. So I found it really hard to connect with her, but with Ben, I was able to a little bit more because I hear about his family history. I loved the little bits of humor the story gave us, like when they're tripping on acid and the scenes are so absurd and absolutely hilarious. That was my favorite part of the book. I love Frances tripping because it made my nerdy writer brain explode with happiness when she talks about breaking the fourth wall, when she sees her two ex-husbands and her best friend who are not in her life anymore and her editor as well, writing a lead pencil over the sky. And it was it was just really funny. I really enjoyed that part. I enjoyed reading how everybody reacted to their acid trips, which was really cool. It was kind of a weird turn of events in the book. At the end, when they break the fourth wall by addressing the reader, it was pretty awesome to tie up the scene with Frances tripping on the LSD and talking about her friend Jillian breaking the fourth wall and telling her it was wrong to do so. It was really funny, almost like watching a stand-up comedy special when they mention something at the beginning, then they end up coming back to it at the end in a really funny way. I was also really happy when Francis and Tony ended up together. They were adorable together. Overall, I recommend the book if you want to pick it up and see for yourself what it is about. I highly suggest that you do that. It's always nice to be able to form our own opinions by ourselves instead of by the opinions of others. So if you read it or if you have read it and you agree or disagree with something that I said, please feel free to leave me a message, send me a DM on Instagram, I am the bookie corner, or you can do so on Twitter as well. I always encourage you guys to join the conversation if you'd like to. So this is where I'm going to end today's podcast. I hope that you enjoyed. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I hope you come back for more next week. I'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks for tuning in, Bookworms. If you like what you heard today, tell a friend about this podcast, leave a rating or a review, and join the conversation on social media. I am The Bookie Corner on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and I'd love to know about something that you love. My name is Carolina, and I will talk to you next time.